0: You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host.
1: I am a Bedroom Beethoven. (laughs) <laughs>
0: hey everybody welcome to the podcast
2: In my window,
0: my guest this week
2: is so my name is jc aka wax taylor uh i'm french as you can hear with my terrible uh english <laughs> uh and i've shared a uh, a lot of collaboration with uh, people like, uh, let's say, Ghostface Killer, Hollow Black, uh, Elzai, Red Rugged Man, and many more.
1: Cut it out like an unwanted hand in a safe. Through my blinds, every man glints and tamper with fate. Tune the world out, shift, shape, phantom of space the thoughts on the canvas hold your orbit in place. In my window, I keep it cracked open just a little so the wind blow. They carry me to places I ain't never been like indo knees so at my leisure, I can float above the leaning tower. Up. Without a visa uh-huh. with this procedure While on instrumental Simmer down now Heavy men will take me away The cow Thanks
0: for joining me on another journey Of a creative's 10,000 hour journey And ours begins in the country of France Where someone who has been a part of hip hop culture Across five decades Joins me in the think tank An individual so musically gifted I need to break down to a science The art of what he does You see, hip hop producers rely on on several specific formulas to create sample-based hip-hop. Developed with a combination of analysis, this typology of sampling is a conceptual approach to this repertoire. There are three main types of samples. There are structural samples, surface samples, and lyric samples. And each of these types has a distinct function in a sample-based track. Structural samples create the rhythmic foundation, surface samples overlay or decorate the foundation, and lyric samples provide words or phrases of text. Wax Taylor would be a combination of all three, especially using words and text from films and movies from directors he loves and admires. Wax Taylor is someone that needs to be in the studio, at Bedroom Beethoven if you will. He needs the right equipment to hear the right sounds, which in turn produces the right music. But before we dive into his story, I urge you to visit the website BedroomBeethovens.com for all the info, past episodes in one neat little hub, And of course, wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you know the spiel, like, comment, subscribe, all of that. And I ask you to do that because it's a free way to help boost the algorithms and visibility of my podcast so more people listen, which in turn means more guests. Bigger guests? Who knows? More opportunities? Maybe. And also as a bonus... Ilu Iboka, esteemed music producer and composer, swings by to add a layer to the COVID-19 crisis because once upon a time, just a wee bit before the world was on lockdown, in Cape Town, South Africa, Wax, Taylor, and Ilu collaborated and I thought it would be interesting to find out how the very last close contact musical session went before we all returned to our respective corner in our rooms all alone drinking coffee and waiting for this to be over with so shout out to elu it's very humbling for a guy in the united states like myself to have wax taylor from france and Ilu from cape town to call in and we can craft these musical stories and you're in France right now correct absolutely yeah i'm in the uh, i'm in the us and and just like france you know we have our we have our share of social and political problems our our president right now is wanting to open up the country back while our our infected is rising you know as as well as france and and you know I know France is the home base but we're we're both have some problems right now so I hope we're all safe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a very weird period we're in.
0: I know you've been interested in hip hop culture since the 80s so as we enter the year 2020 I mean you've now I mean technically you've been a part of the culture now through five different decades. So talk about a 10,000 hour journey, <laughs> you know
2: yeah you want to depress me
0: (laughs) (laughs) well just just to give you some context you know you know how like when you discovered hip-hop it was a period of studying and learning and a lot about the music and i think your radio show went hand in hand with that and that's exactly what my mission is with this podcast because i felt all those meaningful radio stations kind of went away and there weren't many audio programs that just talk to people one-on-one where each episode is a building block to learn more about creating learn more about music and ultimately about life
2: yeah that that's exactly what I was doing when I was uh hosting this this radio show it was really about like this love of the music and how to share and just help people discover some some stuff at, at a different area when we had no no internet, no <laughs> no, nothing, no cell phone, no, no, no. so it was just something else.
0: Yeah, but I just, I love where I can talk to people who are like, oh, you know, when I, I heard a song when I was eight and now it's what I've been doing my entire life. I have a body of work and I make a living out of it. I always think that's fascinating.
2: Yeah, that's exactly uh, my, my kind of story. Like, uh, but uh, to be honest, I, I think like a lot of people from this generation, it doesn't mean that, uh. Uh, you know I, I i won't tell you the story like uh, you know i've always known that i was about to do that uh, it's clearly not the story the story isn't just like uh, i like to talk about accidents you know the the good accidents when you you got to you discover a culture or something there is a shock and um you don't know exactly it's it's always kind of weird to think that um you've had this meeting with a culture that is coming and that was born so far away from your own country from uh, everything around you and just at one point there is uh something that make your life change about that
0: well if you were hooked at such a young age why didn't you learn the music because we're on the street as you can't read a score
2: (laughs) yeah i can't i actually uh you know it's probably um i grew up in um Uh, my family was really in the working class and uh, it's not like to say um, I'm not supposed to be uh, linked with the music, but that's fact. Like I was more about everything around me was more about like do some sports and all that. So it was not really um, about this kind of culture. And then um, I I think I really came into the culture, uh, uh, into the hip hop culture. Uh, I always talk about that this way. Like I never say like uh, rap music I, I really talk about the hip hop culture because I think the first door was not like uh, being a, a beat maker a composer whatever it was just about being part of this thing so um I remember that the first uh, door for me was the the break dance uh, <laughs> because uh, that was the thing of the period it's, we had a TV show in in 84 in France it was kind of the first time, uh, we, we had to something kind of mainstream, but to discover this culture. And as you can imagine, it just uh, disappeared about six months after that, because for those people from TV, it was just about fashion. So, uh, but it was like a, a first door and I was very, uh, obsessed about that. And then it came back with the, the music and the graffiti and everything. And so I, I just wanted to be part of the hip hop culture, and I was just trying to find where I could be—not good, but let's say like I, I've tried everything. Like okay, as a dancer, it's a drummer. As a graffiti, it's worst. <laughs> so where where can I do something? So I just began as an MC, and then I when when I had um, the opportunity just to to make to to create some beats, I just just uh, buy some stuff and just begin like that. But it's never been about. Um, uh, regular, uh, uh, learning music or whatever like that. It was really more about like being part of it and having some ideas and I don't know, I, I, I'm not even able to, to, to say one day I've decided to do something. I was just involved.
0: What about your painting career? How'd that go?
2: yeah for for a few days just time for my friends to say jc you should stop that
0: (laughs) so by process of elimination bam you found your calling
2: exactly exactly (laughs) it's not that i'm good at what i'm doing it's just the the it's just the area where i'm not not so bad
0: (laughs) now the song that hooked you at at that young age around seven or eight it wasn't even hip-hop it was it was rocket
2: absolutely yeah absolutely But but like it's it's kind of cliche and it's like uh, the tr- first of course it's the truth and then also it's like a, uh, something that a, a lot of people from my generation c- concerned with this culture uh, would probably say the same thing because it was such uh, something from from coming from nowhere like what is that like uh, I just remember about what is this kind of sound and uh, just trying to. Uh, when this thing appeared, I mean, we were just trying to re- re- replicate something and be, w- w- what is this kind of sound? So it's really uh, an obsession about that.
0: I, I find it funny because uh, when people mention Herbie Hancock, they think greatest jazz musician of all time. But that song <laughs> was yeah. quite different to what he became famous for. That song almost birthed scratch culture, wouldn't you say?
2: Yes, exactly. We, we mi- mixed the DST and uh, and it's it's funny because at this period, I had no idea about her being Cock as a jazz musician. Just, um, just a small story, but I remember years later, uh, I, when I, I think it was 93, yeah, 93, um, I made a, uh, one of my first live shows uh, with my band at this period, and we were uh nurse for um, Fred Wesley, famous uh, musician from James Brown. And uh, to be honest with you, at this period, I was still like, uh, uh, yeah, I I know James Brown, but I don't know who's this guy. (laughs) And I I make the link with with Darby Cock because I think it's really also uh, the hip hop culture that brought me to discover all those guys, all all those great musicians. So uh, this is something really important just to consider what this culture brought to all those people.
0: Yeah, I'm always going to know the connection between jazz and hip-hop. I think that, that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. That's that's like peanut butter and jelly. But you're, you're going to have to school me on this one. Blues music from the 40s. What, what do we got? Where do we start? And what inspired you from that era?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I think a lot of things comes also uh, from the great digging. When you, you begin with this this habit, <clears throat> you, you just search for new kind of sounds when I say new kind of sounds, like things you, you haven't experienced before. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it just came from records to records and one day uh, buying one and, and a second one. And then there is a moment when you realize that um there's always a moment, I don't know how to explain this correctly, but there is also, also a moment when you realize that you don't listen to uh, some kind of music only for samples, but also just because you like it. Like uh, as an, an example of that, I remember that... um. In my early years of uh, beatmaker, I was um, discovering Billie Holiday and sampling her quite a lot. And at one point, I was not able to do it anymore because I had so much respect for her. And it was like uh, something I couldn't touch anymore. You know what I mean? So um, just to go back to this thing about blues. I couldn't answer that question, but there also, it's, it's also about, uh, for me, it's a lot about periods. Like when I discover some Bossa Nova or something, something like that, sometimes it takes me like two, three, four years just to, uh, bring it into my music. And one day I feel like, okay, this is the time I needed. Uh, I remember when I, I went to, um, uh, to India for a tour in, uh, 2010, I think. And, st- took me something like 2 years after coming back with some uh, Indian music just to use it a little bit and and just inject into my music I, i'm 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 slow in the process
0: now, like your grandfather he listens to jazz your father listens to rock did they eventually come to understand mm-hmm. hip hop or are they pretty stubborn in their musical tastes oh
2: no they were really into their thing and also i think it's um it's it's a lot about like do, those periods of life when you're young teenager. I remember when I was younger that I, my my grandfather was listening to jazz music and uh, I would be really snob to say oh I really love that I really hated that. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot like you you're a, you're a child and uh, no it, w- it was not my thing. And then um, I, I think I also had a period when I I didn't really like the the, the rock artist because my father was listening to this and it was like the rejection like you know you you're you're, uh, you're not supposed to listen to the same kind of music as your your parents so it just came back with the sampling once again probably when i was something like 15 16 just coming back to it and just rediscovering things and uh, with a different ear and uh but but i, I got to say that uh even if i um i was not so much into it earlier i think there is something that uh, that's still inside of you
0: yeah i mean as a as a kid in france listening to uh, DJ Muggs and the Bomb Squad and RZA. It's like, wow, you, you must have seemed like an alien to the other kids in the neighborhood.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Pl- plus, I, I would say that um, it, it's... Uh, we're in, like, like you said, we were in 2020. Like, hip-hop is so mainstream. It's everywhere nowadays. Like, everybody... Uh, it, it's it's everywhere. So just go back to uh, early 90s or even, like, eighty seven, eighty eight, 88 or something like that. People were not even able to... Um, Spell it correctly. They didn't know what we were talking about. I, I remember about UTFO or DMC or uh, this period, uh, the first EPMD. And uh, yeah, exactly w- what you said. I, I really felt like an alien because even people around me, most of them, they were not listening to this kind of music. So it was kind of special. And um, and I, I got to say that uh, it's like I said earlier, it's a lot about kind of accidents and meetings. And uh, I remember, like in '88, I had a, a meeting because uh, I was doing an exchange in, in uh, with the UK, and uh, I've met with a uh, uh, some guy that was a bit older. It uh, was a DJ in in uh, in London. And, um he had a lot of uh twelve at this period, like seven inches and all that and um, it just introduced me to a lot of things that I didn't know, so it just brought me to another level about coming back with some tapes and discovering a lot of uh, of twelve at this period and um and uh it, it, it just uh, brought me into uh, something even mo- more weird for people uh, around me.
0: Well, now you have this knowledge of hip-hop and you have now this this knowledge of how to make music. There's also the factor of how you create. And there are albums like In the Mood for Life where you have to physically visit different locations in the world in order to achieve inspiration for sounds, songs, melodies, what have you. Since we're in a social lockdown right now, have you been having trouble being creative?
2: Yeah, i'm not sure that it's really uh, so much about uh being locked because some some friends of mine uh they they they, they, they came to me and uh, say like a joke like you uh, know you 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 probably not so uh, impacted because you 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 live a part of your life like that like being in a studio and uh, it's it's very special i mean everything that that happened is very special because I, i'm thinking more about not not what we do live right now but it's like a signal to something and uh I'm just thinking about the the the, the near future. So, uh, it's it's better now. It's better now. But for the first first ten days, yeah, it was
0: not not creative at all. Yeah, because before lockdown, I think you were in Cape Town, right? That's got to be a beautiful place.
2: Oh, wow, you you well informed. Yes, I was.
0: <laughs> the moment I am referencing here, where I mentioned Cape Town, Africa, and the interesting notion of being able to collaborate with someone right before a pandemic hits. Well, I was curious. How those series of actions were set in motion. El Boca started out as a songwriter, a music producer, making EDM and hip-hop. But he's so much more, as he's also worked extensively. Film composing both locally and internationally, coupled with formal training in the jazz academy. So the studio that I'm referencing is one that he moved into, allowing him to work from start to finish in both production and recording in his very own studio. So I invite him on the show to talk to us
1: about this experience. Hey, Cello. Uh, Thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you, sir. It's also a pleasure to talk about working with Wax. As you know, like I've got my studio in Cape Town, and we just met through email. I'm not actually too sure how he found me, but I'm glad he did, because working with Wax is one of those rare breeds of people who come into the studio with a clear idea of what they want, but at the same time, is also very open to discovering something new and letting any sort of possibilities happen. And what was also impressive is that we were working with a singer who, who, who actually performs in the street as like a busker. And he was able to just be really patient with her and sort of like help guide her through the track and what it needed. And which is a really difficult thing to do because... Being able to record in a studio is not something that happens instantly. Like, it does take time. It takes a certain level of understanding of the the systems and working with, like, a click track and all these technical things. And in my own experience, I've seen a lot of, like, really good players struggle in the studio environment. So it was great that he was there to support her um, because they'd only just recently met. And so beyond just meeting Wax, just watching him work was really great to see. And yeah, it's probably one of my favorite sessions in recent memory since the um, Since the outbreak because South Africa's gone into a complete lockdown mode But I've been quite lucky in that I don't just have a studio And I also do production work, I do composing work So luckily for me, I've still been able to keep busy And of course, um, keep food on the table But it has been a struggle, but I always tell myself that um, <laughs> I didn't get into this business because I thought it would be easy. You know I got into it because I loved it, and despite all the challenges, even when everything was fine, I still wanted to do it. And so this is just one of those new challenges that we, have art, we as artists and people in the creative industry have to just adapt to, learn to deal with, but I think more importantly than anything, it's just support each other. You know, if you have a studio and you can help people record, help them record. You know, if you um, are a performer and someone needs help or in addition to their tracks and like help them with their tracks, I think now more than ever, it's important just to stay positive, keep working with people and keep the creativity going, because that's why we're all here anyway.
2: Yeah, it's it's a fantastic, it's fantastic town and it's very, um, it's fresh and uh, it's a good inspiration.
1: And uh, with that being said, if anybody wants to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at eluiboka. That's at E-L-U-E-B-O-K-A. Hope to hear from you guys and keep an eye out for that new wax tailor. Thanks, Jello. My man. Everyone be sure to check him out.
0: I want A few years ago, there were a series of terrorist attacks. I believe a soccer stadium was hit and a concert where I think 100 people died. And I know from your standpoint, you just wanted to hit the road and kind of come to the U.S. But as someone who lived in the U.S. kind of looking at, like, I remember watching the news thinking, well, why Paris? Why France? And it's because Paris tends to be an anti-assimilation city where culture is very segregated and there's a high population of North African immigrants this coupled with francis or francis like recent involvement in bombing syria points to why paris was a target was there any truth to that like what do you think the real reason is where people are on pins and needles over the last few years where they can't even leave their house and enjoy music in public spaces anymore well, mm,
2: it's it's a very complicated question the more i think about it the, the more i feel like i don't know you know what i mean like uh it's it's a very complex question it's a very it's not to avoid the question again but uh, it's a it's a very complex question the, the those things that happened in in france in 2015 they that was um that was something uh, a big trauma. That, that was a big trauma in my country.
0: I think JC. I, I think the, I think what I'm asking is is like because I'm stuck in the U S. The only way for me to get news about it or is to watch the news. And simply should yeah. should I even should I even listen to the people on the news? Are they giving me the truth?
2: No, 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 absolutely not, absolutely not. But it's not to say like U S. News are are are. Or fake news, like your president would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not about that. Like it's just that. uh it, it's it's always very complicated. I remember, like uh, in uh, in 2005, we had some uh, uh, social riots in, in France, and some f- friends of mine in in the US. They were like talking about like civil war, and I was like, "What what the fuck you talk about? Like it's absolutely not a uh, civil war." But that's the way CNN was reporting it. Actually, it's always more complicated than that. But what happened at this period was um, just the result of something that comes from far away, and uh, it's it's not easy to, to to answer this question because what I could say is not like the truth. It's just my my vision, you know. It's like uh, nobody got got, a, got a, a truth about about this fact. But um, I I just think that it it comes from from far away, and uh, yeah, it, the thing is that this is the kind of question I could take like. 15 minutes to answer, (laughs) it would be uh, uh, a bit annoying. But uh, yeah, it, it comes from far away.
0: Yeah. And since then, like your, your album, your latest album came out. And as the weeks unfolded, the climate kind of shifted where now governments are forced to make stricter rules and regulations. They monitor citizens more closely and so on. And there was a great solidarity between Muslims and other French people and, and racism actually lowered by any beats necessary, by any remix necessary. Those were literally the soundtracks for the nation healing. It captured that moment in France and U.S. history. And it's a powerful piece of art. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you kind of see my point of view on that because the world can be a scary place wherever you are, but a good soundtrack can kind of help make sense of it. And this pandemic is the worst that we've had in 102 years, but have no fear because Wax Taylor has new music coming. You know, where there are dark <laughs> times, there is the light of your music, whether you planned it or not. So, I mean, you must be experiencing slight deja vu a little bit.
2: Yeah, a little bit, but um, it's it's oh, it's it's also kind of very different situation. And uh,
0: R.I.P. to Ty, R.I.P. to Manu Dibango, and I, I just really hope that uh,
2: damn this is this, this, this is so sad, man. This is this this uh, I had the chance to to meet that the, this great musician, and um, yeah, it, it's it's a sad period. Everything that we we leave is, is fucked up at the moment, but beyond uh, beyond the situation, those. those people passing. It's just very sad. I
0: think when this pandemic gets lifted, I think another documentary is in order because you documented stores, uh, vinyl record stores in the Midwest and the East coast in the U S what about mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. Chile and, and Mexico and Paris? Cause I think that would be interesting because these are stores and businesses that have survived as well.
2: That would be very interesting. And, and I, I'd love to do that. <laughs> I'd love to do that. It was just like, let's say it was an opportunity and also, uh, I've done it in the U.S. because the situation is different from, uh, France. For example, in France, we still got, um, the equivalent of, um, Virgin or, uh, uh you know, those kind of big stores you, you used to have, uh, in the U.S. And the, the fact is that, um, it, it's growing and it's changing, but for a period, it was more complicated for, uh, independent record store owners and uh in the us it was more developed i mean you you get some more uh, small shops like that and it was very interesting for me to uh, meet those guys because most of the time when we talk about the supposed to be um uh record music uh industry blah 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 uh it's always about like some nr um some people are it's not to, to resume and say there's the good guys and the bad guys, but it's, all, it's never about the people who got some direct contact with some listeners and all that. And it's, all, it's also a lot about patients. So it was very interesting to to have their feedback, their input. And and I realized that time is running fast because it's nearly five now. And it would be interesting to uh, go back after a few years and just have the same kind of discussion to see the evolution.
0: If I go to the Latin Quarter of Paris, am I going to see mom and pop record stores or am I going to see like the big virgin mega stores?
2: Uh, It's better than 10 years ago. Let's say like that. Rarely, like for the vinyl especially, you get some more options. Uh, You know, in my hometown, for example, like uh, it's a small town. We are like 30,000 people and uh, uh, we had no record store for 20 years. And there's an independent record store open for two years now. So it's great
0: well in the, in, in the night like whenever i i visit these record stores they always have sections and i know you hate the stamps like chill wave and trip hop but in the 90s <laughs> like whatever you want to call it but the albums that the mainstream considered paramount to the sounds of the 90s like uh tricky and dj shadow Portishead, head massive attack were these were these in your opinion were these really the quintessential groups the sounds that should have received the credit for that were there other bands and singers that are underrated that maybe didn't get the exposure or accolades that they deserved in that time. Um,
2: okay. Uh, those, those you mentioned, there is no discussion, right? So uh, from a commercial standpoint,
0: no, I, I don't think there is. Yeah,
2: yeah, but, but there is but for me, there is no discussion when we talk about, like Portis said, like tricky and a uh, shadow and uh, those guys. And yeah, th- the only problem I got with this stamp, uh, this is supposed to be a trip up scene, is that most of the people I know uh, who are supposed to be the more famous trip-up artists, they don't really like it so much. Like uh, you talk with Jeff Borrow, I know that he's not a huge fan of the trip-up thing. Uh, Trick is not a... I don't think he considers himself like that. And then the problem for me is more that you've had a lot, and when I say a lot, it's a lot, of supposed-to-be trip-up artists that were more lounge music, like music for elevators and uh that's my main problem I-, I i could resume that most of the supposed to be trip hop artists i really love they were just guys coming from the hip hop culture once again like beat makers uh, just uh trying to do some different kind of moods and uh i don't know it's um and about the question like uh, underrated mm, I don't know. I, probably, but again, I'm. It's kind of weird to say that because people always think that I'm. Um, I, probably, I got. Um, uh, I know more of, uh, about this kind of scene, but uh, I'm much more in, involved into um, the the, the hip hop culture.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I, I guess that's the biggest misconception, and I think, you're, and then I think you're absolutely right because in the U.S. I'm even guilty of this. I don't know the difference between trip hop and lounge music. It kind of bleeds together, and 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 I and I think you you know I think Americans might be a little lazy. Like you know, if I approach a random stranger on the know. street and I say, "Hey, are you familiar with Jennifer Charles?" It'll probably be met with blank stares. I would have to go. Do you know Dell the Funky Homo yeah. Sapien? Okay. Do you know Deltron? Okay. You know the producer of that group? Okay. Well, he did a side group called Lovage, and she was yeah. in it. And then by then, I'd probably lose them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You're right. And it's it's um it's a lot about this this thing uh uh when you talk about a uh, you said like, uh, I don't know exactly what is trip up or uh, the, the, I, I again, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not even sure it's so important. I can understand that some people make some confusion. And, um, you, you mentioned people like, uh, Dan, the automator, uh, for me, uh, it's much more, uh, I'm, I feel much more connected with, the with, with him for, for, but because of everything he did and where he's coming from. And, uh, I, I would, probably put rjd22 too, too, uh, or the first album and i got great respect for rj you know like uh i think we, we got a lot of in common
0: yeah he was actually on this podcast uh, a couple weeks ago oh yeah yeah and, and you know he was talking to me about um he has a young son and they were Man. listening to uh black sabbath and his son is able to distinguish <laughs> the chord changes and i think we concluded that young kids are probably more music driven than lyric driven so i thought that was really interesting <laughs>
2: yeah i mean it's a lot about uh uh my first tour in the in the us uh 15 years ago i uh, was opening for for rj and um we had like time to to talk and discuss about that and uh also about the the reference and the digging and everything so it was very interesting to see the the connection like uh, it's 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 uh, a lot about that like the the, the connection the, and the digging thing
0: you also opened for uh, roots maneuver too back in the day
2: yeah same period exactly
0: he was always interesting to me because he has this global fan base his albums sell hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. but he remains an outsider his col- his collaborators kind of are away from hip hop you know he's he's collaborated with gorillas jamie cullum the maccabees and mm-hmm. you would say, i would say he's uk's uh he's the hip-hop's biggest contrarian and he even admits like this gets harder with age the process becomes longer you become more self-conscious I wanted to know how true that statement was for older musicians. Was there a time when you were really into just the first take, even if it wasn't perfect, and now it's like putting songs through a rowing machine just to see how how they last?
2: I was already a pain in years, like 15 years ago, so you can imagine how it goes now. So, yeah, absolutely. It's um, For me, like I'm in the process of my uh, sixth album at the moment, and... Um, i think it's uh it's getting worse and worse <laughs> 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 it, it takes like ages to to hit a track and trying a few things and the the thing is that it's very complicated because it's all it's uh, always about um trying to uh, uh r- refresh your music but uh staying true to what you are so it's it's complicated it's like a a balance trying to make sure that um you 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 get it like just trying to open doors and making sure you've tried something that you haven't tried before and i think that most of the time when you get some feedbacks you realize that um, half of the people think you do the same thing all the time and half of the people say you always do different things and i think the truth is somewhere between the, those two realities for me and uh the the only thing that that is true is that it it's getting longer and longer for me like uh, because I, i'm just searching searching and uh wondering and and again i mean probably because I, i'm 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 an awful person when we talk about like um judging other people's music i'm always like a, I, i'm 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 really a, the kind of guy you come when you want to have like the, the bad feedback <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of honest with that. And, uh, but you can be honest with people saying like what you, what you don't like and not be very hardcore with yourself. Like making sure that, uh, what you do is supposed to be, uh, so it's, it's getting more and more complicated for me. Like it's a big question all the time saying like, does it really, is it really necessary to release that? So for this one, for example, I've made more, more tracks than usual. And, um, Yeah, still in the process, and still wondering, and still asking a lot of questions, and uh, and uh, searching for um, the yeah the what is supposed to be the 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 more interesting, and is it is it really necessary to release that?
0: Well, I think that coupled with like the the misconceptions that you know people might think that you're multi-genre is because your music is compatible with Ghostface Killer as it would Tom York. I mean, you have soul singers techno female vocalists rappers they mm-hmm. glide over your instrumental mm-hmm. seamlessly does that does that make your job more difficult as your creative limitations loosen because for you know like you take someone like green day they don't have to worry about collaborating with two chains because their sound fits in a certain lane whereas you you can take your music in many different directions
2: yeah you're right but it's it's um it's my greatest luxury and my uh my worst nightmare at the same time because um as you can imagine um, it it is just about what you feel like, you know. Let let's go back to uh, like twenty years ago. I remember when I I was ending my uh, collaboration with the band, the 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 rap band I was in, and um, I, I uh, at this period I had like several uh, projects. Like one was more supposed to be instrumental hip hop. The other one was supposed to be what they would have called trip hop at this period. And I've just realized that um, I was just bored with this thing about. Uh, one kind of project, one other kind of project, and I was just thinking, music is life, and for me, life is about uh, who you are, and you're you're not only. Um, again, what what I'm saying is not to judge people who do like strictly uh, one kind of music, and I got I'm a huge fan of a lot of cats like that, but I just feel like uh, I I really need those different kind of moods I'm I really really need to I, I'm very happy when I can work with Jennifer Charles uh, I'm very happy when I can work with Ghostface Killer go,
1: on, go. Yo, another day another dollar we live legendary travel the world by any means necessary fresh Wallabies black suede Gucci go ex spot and I travel the globe hit the road, blast the universe university they call me liquid ghost I move like mercury no hurting me I burn to the third degree how much you take to burn that formula
2: just very different things. But uh, those things are part of me. So uh, I really need to find the balance and create something with that.
0: And a lot of people might say, well, why not French vocalists? But French is a language for literacy, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think
2: it's the best reason you can say. I mean, that's my my point of view. Again, like uh, it doesn't mean that um, some people are not doing it well. Uh, I'm just not so comfortable with that. And um, the other thing is that, as you can hear when we talk, my English is disgusting. And <laughs> no,
0: no, no, you're good.
2: <laughs> and, and it's, uh, and it's uh, the, the good thing is that, of course, I understand English when I, I listen to, but it's not my my um, my first language. So it's very easy for me to take distance. And the distance makes words music. It means that uh, you don't focus so much, then, about the lyrics. Once we've talked about the lyrics, and I've realized sometimes, like, I got some tracks that, People love uh, a bit more than others. And when they know the lyrics, you're in, you're in the show. And uh, at the first row, you see some girls and they're just singing the lyrics. And I just watch them and I just feel like I couldn't do that. <laughs> 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 because for me, it's just some material. It's like uh, uh, just the way I'm, when I'm mixing the track with the vocals, I'm not focusing about what the, the MC is saying at this moment. I'm not focusing about the what the singer is singing. I'm just focusing about this vocal instrument and where I'm supposed to put this vocal instrument into the mix.
0: Yeah, if I go, if I go to your Spotify, like the top track by a landslide is K. Sarah, uh-huh. and I know like if you, if you're in an interview, a lot of uh-huh. that that song is always going to come up. So I want to yeah. ask you because I think you can understand this. If you consider Nas to be one of the top three rappers, then you're familiar with this discography and you know that his work is always going to be compared to Illmatic. He he can't get away from it is is Illmatic kind of like your K sarah is that kind of the so the, the ghost that you're chasing
2: absolutely but uh you know y- there is always two ways to uh consider those kind of things like uh some artists when they got one track that is very famous or whatever they feel like oh come on uh, uh give me a break with that and um and I, I I'm definitely not this kind of guy because I feel like some people they just got their whole lives uh, hoping for that you know hoping for that plus there is something else about th- this track it's always the story around and uh, how things uh, happened I remember that um when when I was in the process I think it was 2003 when I was working on this track and uh you know you were in a studio and uh you're building something and there is a moment when you just stop, and you feel like shit. There's something, and uh, I remember that the first thing I had in mind because it was the period when we begin to have like some big troubles concerning the the sample uh, cl- clearance and all that. And I was just thinking uh, because I had this gelat damod sample, and uh, I was thinking Sh- it's gonna be complicated. And and I was not into the 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 good side of oh, this is dope. Or, I like what I'm doing. I was just thinking shit. It's gonna be uh, some some complicate track and and so uh I just searched for for the contact uh of the publisher who's who's, who's in charge blah 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 and then I I, I wrote a, a message just explaining what I was about to do. It was my first release like auto production on this project. And uh I think like 20 minutes after I had an answer like uh uh go ahead uh uh good luck for all love gout you know what I mean like this is insane like we do talk about like a fucking genius just anything like that, and uh, and then uh, I had the chance to be in contact and talk with with, with him and family and um, I mean it's it's a it's a good story to make it short. It's a good story. It's uh, it's I've been lucky to do that. Like the first time I came to the US and um, uh, for for touring in, in California, I remember the first first bar I came into they were listening to Kesera i was an independent producer uh nothing around like you know like no no big marketing or no whatever like that so it's even better you know what i mean it's not like a, okay this okay this is huge but they they had the, all the tools and the weapons to make it happen so no it's just like something that spread and you don't control i've made like something like 60 countries sometimes i, do, uh, I i'm invited to go and play in a country where like most of the people they don't know about my music, they just come because they're curious and they, they enjoy or they don't enjoy, it. but they, most of the time they just discover every track. And the moment I play Kesera, I can see in their face, like they don't know the name or whatever, but they've, they've heard the track. So that, that's great. And, uh, I think it would be like, uh, the wrong lecturer to be like, oh shit, don't don't talk to me about the, the Kessera I'm just happy with that, and I'm happy to play it. And to, I, I've never felt like, oh no, I don't want on this tour, I don't want to play Kessera because it's boring. I just feel like it's it's uh, a good moment to share uh, with some with people. It's uh, it, and and also there is something very important. Uh, I, I really believe that um, for 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 weeks, for months, for years, uh, you get some tracks. You walk in a studio. You you. You craft your tracks and everything. And uh, at one point, you just release your music. And the moment you release your music, it's not completely your music anymore. Because um, you realize that, uh, especially with years passing, people just send you some message. And it's all—it's a lot about uh, their own experience, like uh, uh, what it means for them, wh- what they were doing at this period of their life, where, uh, all those stories. So um, Kesara is a strong track for that.
0: I love that man. You create something and then you release it, and now it belongs to the people, man. I, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, I think that leads me to present day, JC, where you're dropping something new very soon. And don't worry, this airs after mm-hmm. May 27th. So any uh, any details, <laughs> interesting creative processes behind the shadow of their sons? Uh, if there's, you know, I'm sure there's something on that record is is going to catch fire it's going to be very huge very big i saw the video i heard the lead single so you know you have the floor if there's anything you wanted to, to tell the people
2: it's been something like maybe five years that um i've been brainstorming a lot about um just 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 thinking about the world and everything and it's very complicated as an artist because i don't want to be like um giving lessons to people you know what i mean like singing like uh, here's what you should sing or whatever but um uh, it's not, it's not about giving lessons. It's just about giving to think. And I think music, hearts, whatever, it's a lot about that, like just opening doors and, uh, with the, your, your uh, imagination and everything you want to inject, just, uh, inviting people to, um, to think the world. I don't know to express that correctly, but, uh, and this album I'm working on, it's a lot about, um, there is a, a kind of political, uh, angle, but not like, again, to give lessons to anybody, just to, uh, um, just to 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 say something like uh, open your mind, open your eyes, do something. We we need to everybody we we need to change something. So I, I don't know how people are gonna receive that. I'm working on it, and um again it's uh the good thing also about the music is like it always gives a lot of um, doors. Some people are you know I remember about as an example like my fourth album like a uh, dusty rainbow from the dark. Uh, it was very personal. It was a lot about a story and, and everything. And I've realized with time that some people, they were very, very concerned about the story and everything behind it. And some other they were completely um, about the music and only the music. I'm really okay with that. Like, uh, it's just... a. Like, like I said earlier, the, once you release the music, it's not it's, its not so much your music anymore. It's just about the, the, everybody's experience. So I don't know what's going to be the experience with this one, but uh, it means a lot to me. I've been working for two years, something on, on this album, and uh, I'm supposed to release it like early uh, 2021.
0: You know, Celine Dion has the best-selling French album of all time. I need you to break that record, man. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> that needs a change. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you, man. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure it's gonna happen, but thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm putting it out there in the universe, man. So, but I appreciate you being here, man. Uh, I've, I've been a fan for a long time, and uh, it was definitely a pleasure to have you here.
2: Real pleasure for me. Thank you very much.